Church. My name is uh, Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, I have the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with you. Thanks for listening, and if you'd like to support the ministry, the mission that God is doing here in the uh, Lincoln Park area through St. James, please go to our website and uh, donate online. Thanks for listening. Beloved, with you I am well pleased. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Wouldn't you love to hear those words? Do you not love to hear those words from your father, from your mom? Think about it, right? Uh, famous uh, baseball player, Keith Hernandez, you know what I'm talking about? I first was introduced to Keith Hernandez watching Seinfeld, this is where I first met him. Uh, he was on there, I think he dated Elaine. Anybody know that episode? We won't talk about that. What happened? Anyhow, Keith Hernandez, I mean, this guy was a overachiever, you know, an incredible baseball player, won all these awards, of course, great batter, great batting average. Um, I think MVP, uh, maybe a couple times, uh, played, what was he, the Mets? Is that correct, anybody? Huh? Yes. Um, but in the Sports Illustrated article in the 80s when he was at the top of his game, the whole article was about him and his father. His father drove him to be who he was. His father was a minor league baseball player and for both his boys, uh, you know, worked hard with him and pushed them to be the best baseball players they could be. But it was a strenuous relationship. And at some point after Keith had become famous and had all these awards, he told his dad, you know, I've got all these awards. I've got a 300 batting average, da-da-da. And his dad said, one day you're going to look back and you're going to say you could have done more. And that was it. And you could tell from the article that Keith Hernandez was stressed. And they said he was. Like, he would actually go into batting slumps because of his relationship with his father. And, and weirdly enough, only his father, I guess, and his advice could get him out of those slumps. But he had a terrible relationship. And on and off again, love-hate. And in the end, you could just tell from him that he wished he would hear his dad say, with you, I am well pleased. Now, it's funny because I think about Seinfeld and Keith Hernandez, and you have Uncle Leo, right, who brags about his son, your cousin Jeffrey, right? And he's always bragging about every little thing that, that, uh, that his son did. He's the opposite, right? But it just shows how important it is for people to know their fathers, their moms, their parents' approval, to know they approve. It really is. I don't care who you are. I don't care how bad your parent is, really, or how many times you've heard it. It can make or break someone. It can change their life, can it? And Hernandez would talk about how he had all these awards, but he was very unhappy. It meant nothing to him. It was just work. Same can be said for us. Well, another son comes on the scene, the son that we are praising and worshiping today, Jesus, the Son of God. He has a Father in heaven. And uh, Luke tells us, as all the gospel writers do, that uh, John the baptizer was announcing that God was coming. 
basically is what he's saying. That's the good news. The kingdom of God, the reign of God is coming. You better get yourself clean is what he's really saying. That's what baptism literally means. And so people were coming out there scared because, my goodness, if God actually came to my house, how disappointed he would be with me, and rightly so. And so they came out to John, what shall we do? And he baptized them in the Jordan River. And so all these sinners are coming into the river scared and getting themselves ready for God coming. And John told them, you think I'm doing something great. The one who's coming after me, the one that I'm announcing, he's not going to baptize you just with water, but with fire and the Holy Spirit. And among all these sinners, and they are sinners, there stood someone that you would not have recognized. You would not have picked him out in a crowd. He stood right with them. He wasn't any taller than them. He wasn't any shorter. You would not be able to tell that the Son of God was standing in that crowd, obeying the voice of John, obeying the voice of the Father. But this time, the others went in the water and came out. This time, Jesus came into the water, and as we know, John said, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, let it be so to fulfill all righteousness, because Christ came to completely obey everything, everything God has given man to do, even Repentance, even this baptism. So Jesus goes into the water. The waters of the Jordan are famous. They're ugly, they're dirty, they're smelly, and it's a very boring-looking river, like the Rio Grande, actually. It's, it's ironic. The Rio Grande is a great name for an ugly, boring, small little river for the most, most of the time. Same thing for the River Jordan. But the River Jordan, the Old Testament, is regularly a crossing place. You, get, you begin from here, and you go into the promised land. It's a beginning. It's how you get to the promised land. When the people of Israel came out of Egypt, they had to cross it, and when they crossed it, it split. And they entered into the land God gave them. But this time, the waters didn't split. But as Jesus went into the mucky, murky, sinful, ugly waters, full of all the dirt. You know how it is when your kids take baths and you, you put them. When I was a kid, by the way, we had to save water. Oh, I'm sorry. My mom's right here. So... You're not just going to throw that water out, right? When the kids are little, like, just put them in the bath one after the other. When I was the oldest, so I think I got to go first, but my goodness, uh, for the last good four of us, if I knew consciously, if I was like a teenager and had to do that, there's no way I'd be taking a bath in that water, right? It's ugly and dirty, full of the filth of my brothers and sisters. How much more so when Christ walks into the water and yet, Jesus came not to keep himself clean, but to get himself dirty. And he goes into those waters, our waters. And instead of the water splitting open, and we can go into a promised land, 
the heavens split open. And a voice comes down. And a dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove lands on Jesus just to make it clear who is the one. And he says, this is my son, this one, my beloved, I love him with whom I am well pleased because his son obeyed him. His son left the heavenly places when dad said, these jerks need to be saved. Go do it. The son obeyed. And not only that, this son not only obeyed his father and did what his father wanted him to do, even if it meant lowering himself, even if it meant uh, hanging out with people that do not like God, who are jerks to one another, even if it meant dying on the cross, <laughs> talk about pleasing dad. Jesus did exactly that and loved his neighbor as himself. Even those neighbors that aren't so nice, that aren't so good, that aren't so righteous. And the father says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. He loves his son with him. He is well pleased. We want our father's approval, and it really changes us when we hear it, doesn't it? And by the way, parents... I encourage you to take that to heart. That's not the point of the sermon, but do a good job disciplining. Do a good job pushing, you Lincoln Park parents, pushing indeed. But you better not be like Keith Hernandez's dad all the time. Tell them you're pleased. Tell them you love them. Reward them just as much because it can make or break a kid. Would God say that about you? Does God, is God pleased with you? Do we deserve to have those words spoken over us? <laughs> we like to think, yeah. We're taught in America, yeah. You're fine. Everything's good. Everything you want to do, it's all good. There's nothing wrong with you, right? That's what we hear constantly. Everyone's special, and there's nothing wrong with you in any way. And we should just constantly be encouraging one another and telling everybody, good job, no matter what they do, right? But honestly, would God say, I'm well pleased with you. Oh, you're just awesome. I just love you just the way you are. No, he wouldn't. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the way we act and talk to one another? The way we behave? The way that we keep our stuff and we don't want to share it with anybody else? The way that we hold, withhold forgiveness? The way that we judge and just assume that person's an awful and bad? God loves me, sure, but I can't imagine he'd love that guy, that woman, the lifestyle they've chosen. I'm a church-going guy. I know what's right and wrong. God knows everything that we do, everything that we think. You think, really, God would say, I'm pleased with all you're doing and all you're thinking? No, he would not. That's important to know. I'm sorry. God could not, simply looking at your behavior and say, I'm pleased with you. May we repent of that. So what does this baptism have to do with us? 
Of course, Jesus gets all the awards. Nerdy Jesus gets all the A's, pleases his dad. Good for Jesus. Great. You're the hero. You're awesome. We stink. It's true. So Jesus gets out of those waters, and he continues obeying his Father and keeps walking because he's on a journey. Ultimately, that's what the New Testament is. It's a journey of Jesus from birth to Jerusalem, and he walks just as his Father says, and nothing can get in his way, and nothing will stop him because he's going to obey his Father. But not just that, because he loves you, and he loves me, and he loves us even though we don't deserve to be loved. And he loves us even though we don't act like people that are loved by God. And Jesus could not be stopped, and he loved his neighbors himself. And he hung out with the, the leper and the prostitute, and he healed, and he spoke, and he cried at a grave, and he walked to that cross, and there he fulfilled what those words of our Lord said, with you I'm well pleased, and he laid his life down just like his father asked him to, and just like we need, and there he became our substitute. Where we should have been, he put himself in. And he paid the price for all of our sins and three days later rose again. But he didn't do it just to be a leader. Jesus, this is very important, Jesus didn't come to be the prime example for humanity. Look it, this is what it takes to be someone what God will say with you, I'm well pleased. Follow him. That's not what Christianity is at all. That's not why Jesus came. That's not why he died and rose to lead us. Oh, I need to get on the right path to follow Jesus so I can have God tell me that he loves me. No, Jesus came to be our substitute both in receiving the punishment we deserve, but also living the life that we fail at. So that in baptism, your baptism, the baptism of Jesus, when you were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit, a magical transformation occurs and a, a glorious exchange, Luther says. Christ took on your E as a Son of God. And he gives us his A. When you are baptized, and Paul says it in, in Romans chapter 6, if you want to look at that. Paul says, don't you know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, therefore we've been buried with him by baptism into death. So in baptism, you die with him, but painlessly, right? So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In baptism, we are united to this Jesus who died and rose. We are given a new identity for free. So that all people who are baptized in Jesus, the heavens split open. And the Father says to you, and has said to you, through the washing of the way of your sins. This is my daughter, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. This is my son, 
whom I love, with, I, with whom I am well pleased. Undeserved love. There's no greater love, by the way. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's no greater words to hear. It's one thing to say, I love you because you deserved it. It's another to hear, I love you when you don't. And that's what Jesus came, and that's what baptism gives. And that's the whole point of the death and resurrection of Christ. That's the whole point of the prodigal son parable. You know that parable? The father that runs out to the awful son and gives him back his sonship and welcomes him back no matter what he has done. That's what happens in baptism. You are brought back into the family. You are made a child of God for free. You know, having your father's approval and hearing those words can just give you a, a oomph in your step and bless and give you peace throughout your life. But having and hearing the words from our father in heaven that he loves you, that can really benefit you psychologically as well too, can it? I hope you hear those words. Every morning, I hope you relish in those words. Every morning you wake up, the first thing you should say is, my God loves me. I am forgiven. I'm a child of God. He has adopted me into his family. Man, that can turn your day around. So that no matter what you're going through, you got your father behind you. He's got your back. And no matter what happens to you, sins or no sins or bad times or awful news from the doctor, you know that you've been united to Jesus, forgiven. You are a child of God and you will rise up again and it's going to be okay. That is true. And man, that can bless your day. May you every morning remember that. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. In Jesus' name, amen.